This is season two of Hearing the Music, where we're exploring the music of Bach's St. Matthew Passion and the meaning behind it. I'm Mark Bertrand, the pastor of Grace Presbyterian Church. This is episode three, In the Garden. The music you've just heard is the familiar tune of the hymn known in English as O Sacred Head Now Wounded, but it's not the same chorale that we ended our previous episode with. This chorale marks the conclusion of the Last Supper. At the end of that meal, Jesus foretells the betrayal of Peter, but Peter rejects the very idea and insists that he will remain with Jesus no matter what happens. And in the chorale, all of the disciples join in and give this same assurance. That assurance, though, is going to be tested by the narrative of this episode. This is episode three. In the garden. In this episode, we're going to see Jesus lead the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane to watch with him and pray. But rather than praying, the disciples will actually fall asleep. It's here that Judas arrives with the soldiers, betrays Jesus, and he is arrested. We'll be covering all of that in this episode. As always, our recordings come from the April 2nd, 2022 recording of the St. Matthew Passion in a performance by the South Dakota Symphony Orchestra. And I'm joined by Delta David Geyer, the music director of the SDSO, to talk about this music and the theology behind it. David, as we begin in the garden, we're going to be hearing from Jesus as he begins to sing. Explain to us what's happening musically in this moment. In the recitative that follows that chorus we just heard, Jesus says, my soul is distressed to the point of death and asks his disciples to wait with him. Here the role of Jesus is sung by bass baritone Stephen Bryant. This is followed by a recitative for tenor with the orchestra and the chorus. The tenor sings, O pain, my heart is troubled and tormented. You can hear the agitation in the bass line and also in the flute and oboe. But why is the tenor so distressed, Mark? Well, it's interesting because the chorus, when it interrupts, addresses that question essentially by asking it and then answering it. So the chorus will ask, what is the reason for all these great torments? Essentially, they're asking, what is the reason for the cross? Why does this suffering need to take place? And that is an essential question that this passion addresses. And the chorus later will come in and answer it when the chorus sings, I, Lord Jesus, have this debt encumbered, which thou art bearing. So the idea is the necessity of the crucifixion comes from the sin of the people, which Jesus will then bear at the cross. And this explains the emotion that we hear in the tenor. Thank you. 
That was tenor Stephen Soff. In the aria that follows, we have an obbligato solo from the oboe, here played by South Dakota Symphony principal oboist Jeffrey Paul, in dialogue with the tenor soloist, who is singing, I will stay by my Jesus. He also is still in dialogue with the chorus, which is singing, in this way, my sins are put to sleep. The irony is that the disciples go to sleep. They don't keep watch. And the tenor here is saying, I'm not going to be like the disciples. I will watch beside Jesus. And interestingly, this terrible thing the disciples did, falling asleep, is transformed into a beautiful thing. That that sleep of weakness is as if like sin is being weakened and put to sleep by keeping watch with Jesus. David, I think being able to speak with so many of our soloists has really added something to my understanding of the piece. One of the wonderful things about working with singers is they often bring so much to the role and so much insight into the text for the arias that they're singing. Let's hear what bass Stephen Morshek has to say about the next set of recitative and aria. The thing that always strikes me about the text that oftentimes, at least that I sing, is that this paradox between what Jesus has to go through and how it's bitter and shameful and, of course, painful for him, physically painful, and the pain of being separated from God the Father for our good, ultimately for our salvation. And that's clearly stated in this opening restative. It says, he is ready to drink the cup, the bitterness of death, the cup in which the sins of this world are poured. And the German is hässlich hinken, hatefully stink. They have a hateful stench about them. And he's willing to go through that for us. Here's this paradox. Musically, it's very interesting. The opening phrase says, the Savior falls down before his Father. And you have the strings make a descending 16th note pattern. Bum, 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 bum. Bum, 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 bum. 
chooses a 3-8 tempo, which is a tricky tempo to find, I think. As I recall, when we prepared rehearsals there as David and I were working together. Initially, I wanted a faster tempo, almost a feeling of a dance, which is in- incongruous with, with what the text is saying. But as we got closer to the performance, I found that a slightly slower tempo was more helpful in terms of negotiating the phrases and the time needed to breathe, but I think it also put the piece in a well-balanced position in terms of the emotion of what's going on. Steve, as is often the case, an aria in one of the passions of Bach is a personal application. I often find that something that is in the actual text of scripture then is picked up in these arias. So Jesus says, the text, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. And the cup is referenced in the recitative, and then the cup is referenced in the aria itself. But now it turns away from speaking about Jesus and the singer, he considers it for himself. Would I, am I willing to take the cup? Am I willing to take up my cross, as Christ might call me to do, just as my Savior did. Mm-hmm. 
That's truly beautiful. At this point, we are going to fast forward in the narrative. We're not going to go through line by line the recits that covered Judas's arrival and the drama of the betrayal. Instead, we're going to look in detail at what happens after that, the processing of what has just taken place. To me, this is an extraordinary piece of art. This duet between the soprano and the alto with the chorus in the background, because what you have is Jesus being led away. The first thing you hear is this kind of march, a plodding kind of figure in the strings that can be interpreted as footsteps through the garden. And then the soprano and alto come in and sing the text, So now is my Jesus captured. As Jesus is being led away, The chorus then interjects rather dramatically, let him go, don't hold him, don't bind him. You can actually hear them just yelling, no, no, this can't actually be happening. David, here's what strikes me listening to music like that. It's really dramatized. It surprises me because ultimately the arrest of Jesus is part of the plan. And so I would expect to reflect on this moment and maybe hear some kind of singing about, you know, oh, this is all part of God's overall plan. But instead, we're entering into the moment and really dramatizing the reaction to the events the trauma of witnessing Jesus's arrest in a way that feels almost operatic to me. Well, that's right. And it's not what the people in Leipzig going to church on Good Friday afternoon were anticipating. In fact, Bach took a lot of heat for bringing operatic conventions into the church. He did it for obvious reasons. Dramatizing something like this really brings it to a personal level. What would my reaction actually be if I were witnessing the arrest of my Savior? So that was his motivation for doing it. But all music was new at one time and usually not very well received, these innovations. It's true of art in general. I think it's worth it that Bach took the heat for it because we have this amazing result. 
it's fascinating to me that there would have been this resistance on the part of listeners because this is actually one of the things that Bach does that most reminds me as a pastor of the way that we use and reflect on scripture in prayer and meditation. As you meditate on what you read in scripture, one of the common things that you would do is place yourself into the story and try to experience and to feel and to think through the right reactions to these things. And ironically, I I think by taking these methods from opera, he's actually repurposed them in a way that gives them that devotional weight that now we couldn't even imagine doing without in the Passions. At our 300-year remove from this, it's hard to imagine that this music was ever difficult to swallow. Right. (laughs) Shaking us out of that comfort zone allows us to grow allows us to think more deeply, reflect more deeply, meditate, as you say, on something that that is of ultimate importance. Now, as we proceed, we're actually approaching the end of the first part of the St. Matthew Passion. Narratively speaking, this is the moment where the soldiers take Jesus away, and the evangelist will sing, then did all the disciples flee and forsake him? And now Jesus must move forward on his own. And then we enter into a chorale reflecting on all of this, David, and it begins, Oh man, bewail your great sin. Tell us what's happening musically in this chorale. Well, you can actually hear the disciples scattering. You hear this figure in the flutes and oboes, da 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 a sort of scattering kind of feeling. It, it's extraordinary considering that we just listened to this duet with the chorus shouting, Don't bind him, let him go. And yet, Jesus comes out of the garden alone, as you say, and they fly away. At this point, there is no one who can go forward with Jesus. He alone is capable of doing this work. It's striking to me, though, in the music we're about to hear, even though the subtext is bewailing your sin, the music is really joyful. Indeed. In a way, it's a perfect balance to the opening chorus with its agitation and lament. Because we're at this terrible moment where Jesus is being led away to be crucified. And yet, this is the purpose of the entire story. Well, let's hear that music.
here we come to the end of part one of the St. Matthew Passion. So it's not the intermission of a concert because it was actually a worship service. So what took place at this point in the worship service was actually a sermon. It's interesting to me, Mark, that just at the point where the pastor is coming to the pulpit, the flock is scattering, disappearing. Oh, I'm sure many flocks have imagined exactly that movement as a pastor comes to the pulpit. I've preached many sermons. It's hard to imagine getting up after all of this and preaching the sermon that fits between these two parts of the Passion. It is a good reminder to us that this isn't concert music, that this is actually music that was written for worship. So as we sign off for this episode, you can go and find a sermon to listen to. And next time, we'll focus on the trial of Jesus and on Peter's denial. For more information on Hearing the Music and for bonus content, visit us online at hearingthemusic.org. 